you heard the news from Ilford South. Yeah, yeah, Sam Tarry's uh, got it. That'll be. Um, I mean, he's he's kind of preoccupied with Brexit at the moment, but at some point late tonight or tomorrow morning, there's going to be a hell of a gapes meltdown. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> and a straightened one at some point as well. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously bitterly disappointed by the whole thing, having put my name forward for, for, for the selection. Despite not living in Ilford South, I thought that's never been an obstacle to becoming yeah. a Labour MP before. Um, so, I, you if know... Tony Benn could move around Britain at will, you know. Why, why can't we? It's in his tradition that we do it, so... Well, absolutely. This is, this is socialism to me. And, <laughs> um, I... Yeah, so I went went for the Ilford South thing on a tough uh, populist agenda of pretty much just opposing gapesism, um, whilst, of course, giving massive policy concessions to it in, in the classic Labour tradition. Um, so you know, heavily milk-based uh, yeah. agenda. Um, that's what that's what the voters like. There, that's been proven, you know, by the Mike Gapes personal vote over the years. <laughs> yeah, the, the only it turns out the only person who who, who uh, actually voted for me in the selection meeting was this guy uh, called um, something like um, Mister uh, Jappe or something. He he had a a, 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 a large sombrero on. And um, what looked like a false curly moustache, um, and and he said um, he, he said he sp he spoke in, in 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 Spanish, but he seemed to have picked up kind of for for local um, Ilford dialect because uh, he he for example um, he he started his conversation by saying hola. Uh, and then he proceeded <laughs> to tell me, um, I'm, ju I'm just going back to my recording of this. Etienne's uh, el milk. And um, yeah, I just went on. He went off on a big one. He was flailing his arms around. He seemed very supportive. Um, but But yeah, it wasn't well, enough. <laughs> Gotta start from somewhere, you know. You can be your, your your key figure next time. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Well, we know who the hard left are in the you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, national without compensation hard left wing position hard left hard left the hard left the hard left the hard left the hard left hard left hard left the hard left the hard left hard left the hard left 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 Most Lib Dems in total are just cunts. Uh, but yes, my Lib Dems are like, in fact, I'm going to say 100% all cunts. Oh god, yeah, the trashies are saying 
that we should host a hustings between Gapes and Sam Tarry. <laughs> that would be a I great... don't know, that, that might backfire. Like, no disrespect to Sam Tarry, but, you know, it's, we're talking about the most electrifying man in various committees, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, face-to-face in the marketplace of ideas with Mr. Mm-hmm. Gapes. Like, I just don't know if he'd really stand a chance. You don't last in politics without the pure charisma that, that Gapes radiates from his every pore. Um, and, oh, and obviously in terms of, like, Gapes' news, there was obviously that summit today of, like, I don't, all the worst fucking cunts in the world or something, which was just, like, Modi, Blair... Kissinger. Um, oh Jesus! Yeah. What was it? A former uh, John? It was John Howard, former uh, Australian prime minister. Yeah. Yeah, a, a massive cunt as well. And he's probably like maybe the least worst person in the picture. That's how bad it is. <laughs> but you know? to reiterate, a massive cunt nonetheless. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, they're all just like drink, drinking what looks like the white stuff basically yeah well blair's got a big glass of it hasn't he he, he loves it <laughs> yeah just well there's that picture of blair and modi deep in uh, in you know i'm sure very insightful conversation just both like <laughs> clutching their milk having uh, both of them clearly having swigged a little bit of it um, i've killed more people yeah but who have you killed recently tony <laughs> <laughs> What could they possibly be even discussing, man? Yeah, to be fair, we don't know what Blair's business empire is up to uh, with it. With its comp- oh no, he kind of wound up his business empire, didn't he? So it would be more <laughs> like just icing the heads of non-profits who <laughs> yeah. threaten the interests of the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. Allegedly. What if he comes into conflict with like David Miliband at some point through that exact project? Like, who would people even support? Who's giving well, I mean, obviously the best they support Blair, but... yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who who's been giving the CIA the best information about like you know anyone in the Labour Party? But I guess that's what when when Blair invites like Lisa Nandy or whoever the up and coming Labour MPs are to have you know the secret <laughs> meetings with him. Do you reckon he's just like? So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you could uh, give me any, any um, you know, just addresses, uh, contact details, uh, just, just for my personal uh, benefit, of course. Um, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've uh, heard any of the... Um, yeah, I, see, I was just wondering, I heard there was going to be um, a, a, a protest. Yeah, I I, I, you know, I was just wondering if you could, you know, tell me where, just, you know, so, so me and the boys can come along, you know, just uh, give you our support. Right? Dude? Like, uh, just a, an information mining exercise. I realise my Blair impression could probably function as my Miliband, David Miliband impression as well. Yeah, yeah, we've got a regular John Culshaw on the, sh- on the show, in fact. Yeah. All you have to do is be, like, considerably less funny, and you've got about 15 years on, on Radio 2 and Radio 4. <laughs> I'll give it a go. So, I mean, that's like some of the, the headlines recently like so some, some some of the worst cunts in the world are out there swilling milk in in, in a fancy garden party sam tarry's mm-hmm. running against gapes and i'm not real politic yeah. are hosting a live a live gapes uh tarry hustings and uh yeah that so that's the news uh <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing else going on in the world at all, particularly in UK politics. That's that's it. That's the news. That's all of it. 
the news that is fit to print, as our, yeah. our, our friends from the Film Chat podcast would sing in one of their charming little musical interludes. Superhero films announced, casting rumours leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated, Meryl Streep's Oscar tips, Matt Damon's in a viral vid, Michael Bay's made a mint, that's the news that's fit to print. I mean, we, we, we did have a, like, wider plan to discuss today didn't we so there's a yeah yeah there's an agenda and it's one in what it's one in which i'm going to take a little bit of a back seat it's going to be kind of like the jack yair episodes where it's just kind of me like telling yair about something it's going to be a bit like that but i am yair hey dude (laughs) (laughs) sound canny it's like it's like he's right here with us just just hit a great big bong yeah, eat shit, John Coleshaw. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, today, I mean, what, we're talking about, like, Tory nerds, aren't we? Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I, what put the idea in my head, because I've been sort of suggesting this for a little while, but we've obviously had other stuff going on with the Twitter account getting banned and, and, and various stuff. Yeah. Um, that's sort of suggested the the break between real politics seasons uh opportune time (laughs) get to do a sort of fuck it we're going home for a couple of weeks and then come back but i think what i was kind of like obviously i've been varying degrees of angry leftist on the internet for a long long time Mm. um and one thing i've always sort of been slightly fascinated by and I, I used to probably overweight it a bit and and really sort of focus on it was like um sort of young conservative movements because obviously a lot of current Tory front benches and that and, and in what those in the recent past they've all got all sorts of like dodgy past antics at university that that come up and and the this point is enough in the past that they managed to sort of brazen it out, you know, right up to and including actually penetrating a dead pig. But um, again, what, what basically prompted this, just put it back in my head recently, is that there was um, a young conservative activist who who killed themselves. Um, the papers saying, basically implying because of other young Tories, although it seems like it was a mix of that and her employer. Oh, so is this a recent thing? Because there was a big story a few years ago, wasn't there, about a a, a young Tory who was bullied by, I believe, a guy called Mark Clark? Yeah, he was bullied by several people, Mark Clark being the the ringleader. Um, And we'll we'll sort of come back to that, because that's obviously a huge, huge, huge touchstone issue. But there's been a kind of second one recently where a, a young Tory activist killed herself earlier this year, and Obviously, when it's reported, there are two things. One, this kind of seems like she was very unhappy in her job, perhaps being bullied there, but also that she was talking about being sexually harassed at a conservative conference and things like that. But it didn't really, you know, it made the news, but it wasn't really focused on. And you think, like, one, this is a massive problem in politics and, and particularly on the, on the, on the right, um, not exclusively by any means. Um, and also it was building off, as you say, the Elliot Johnson case a few years ago. Yeah. Um, the lad was 21. Um, by all accounts, like a, a massive hyper Tory, we probably wouldn't have got on with us or anything like that. It's not like he's just a different of opinion or whatever, but 
he was ultimately um, bullied to death for not supporting the right people in like in really sort of Byzantine internal political manoeuvrings for really yeah. quite positions. And what the, the guy, obviously Mark Clark's political career has been basically ended, but he still earned more than probably you or I ever will and has had a reasonably successful career. Like, um, the other guy involved, he is basically a, a journalist now for like some two-bit uh, shit blog or something. Oh, and right. No doubt giving him a big one about the, you know, the moral decline of the left or whatever. Yeah, well, he he's the guy that um, posed on like one of the balconies at Parliament with a sword. And he was like, yeah, ISIS, I'm coming for you. Oh, wow, okay, I think I've heard of that guy. But this was all after, like, um, after driving, essentially, his ex-boyfriend to death. (laughs) And he just goes on with his career. Mm. Um, Really quite a strange situation, whereby it's just never, ever commented on now. But there's, the, the thing is, there's like this wider network that we've been sort of aware of for a while. Um, if you go back a few years further again, I think it was like 2015 that Elliot Johnson died. But if you go back a few years before that, um, there were a lot of headlines about a so-called Tory madrasa, um, which was this guy Donald Blaney. Um, now, if any of our critics ever do listen to Real Politics, it's not really happened yet, but one day it will. This might be the episode that gets us sued because Donald Blaney is essentially like a, a crank lawyer. He's right. like, um, he, he's got his lawyer. I'm not suggesting he's not qualified as a lawyer, but he essentially uses that to push his sort of incredibly hard right libertarian views and that is his like his life's work mm. um so he run ran like the young britain's foundation which was like a, a sort of ultra right spin-off of like the young conservative well, spin-off it wasn't officially linked but every year they'd have a big convention where all the giant nerds in like young conservatism would go down and they'd watch speeches by like various uh, sort of hard right backbenchers and like Guido Fawkes journalists, Harry Cole's big into that scene. Um, that dickhead of BuzzFeed whose name momentarily escapes me. Alex Wickham. Yeah, he was like an attendee. He wasn't. He wasn't anyone yet. He wasn't even working for for Guido, but okay. sort of where he learned his trade, you know. Pretty bright part. Yeah, yeah, pre pre bar bar. They'd have one every year. Um, it'd be like the Freedom Weekend or whatever, and they'd have a hashtag that we'd troll relentlessly every year. Um, uh, unfortunately, they 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 learned and sort of wound down the hashtagging and stuff um, by the time Thatcher had died because you know that that would have been an open goal there. But you know. <laughs> The, the, they would they, they basically like, Daniel Hannan was like the chief chief executive joint with with Donald Blaney. It gives you an idea of where they were sort of coming from politically, yeah. and that's where a lot of these people. Uh, it's, it's where the links are drawn between people like this sort of Britannia Unchained freaks and like their their current and future interns and um, 
the sort of UK right wing blogosphere. And as always with a lot of these things, there was a lot of American money in it as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like so cock types and coke rather, not cock. Yeah, it, it got <laughs> Co- well, cock types, I suppose. It works both ways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah however you mean that, yeah. But, um, you know, they've got quite a brief uh, Wikipedia entry, and even in that, it's like um, their advisory board includes Matthew Elliott from the Taxpayers Alliance, representatives of the Heritage Foundation, the U.S. Competitive Enterprise Institute, an American conservative union, the U.S. Leadership Institute, the president of the U.S. Jesse Helms Center, the president of the Young Americas Foundation, the co-founder of the U.S. Henry Jackson Society. Oh, wow. And uh, Connor Burns, the really weird backbencher who was basically like uh, had a kind of parasitical relationship with Margaret Thatcher in her later years. And Liam Fox as well. He was he was on the various boards of theirs. It was these sort of people. You know? Remember that time when we were all supposed supposed to call him um, the disgraced uh, former minister Liam, Liam Fox or whatever, and now he's like, been a much more senior minister, like rehabilitated about six times over. over yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that worked. Yeah, so they, uh, but this is where the thing with Mark Clark is that it essentially he and all the people around him sort of came from this network that I've been describing, and then would have brought more and more mainstream into conservatism because they realised these tossers had energy. They were nearly all rich, so they could. Uh, afford to go around the country campaigning in marginal seats and so on and they were like very much true believers as the party was moving harder right so they would you know they had like a a conservative battle bus that Mark Clark uh, would organize and became very valued within the conservative party because they thought this was a great service for them um, well, I'm glad that the, the, the um, conservatives are providing you know transport services for someone. Yeah, I mean, by Thatcher's, uh, I don't know what it means for, for all these people by, by the logic of their hero, Margaret Thatcher, you know, she said they're all failures, but... Pay your own uh, way, you fucking shiftless idle dossers. Yeah, the the failed Mark Clark would, would bus... Uh, <laughs> the doesn't, hated. Doesn't, yeah, obviously the hated, yeah. yeah everyone in here <laughs> will be the hated. Everyone in this episode pretty much is the hated. You can just append, you know, it would be like an extra 15 minutes on the episode if you just <laughs> said that for all of them. But, put out uh, a separate the hated cut. It's just the yeah. hated, the hated, the hated, the, the hated, the hated. <laughs> that, that can be the new intro. <laughs> if Chris Leslie ever retires, just just go all in on that. But yeah, they they would they would bust these people up and down the country and uh, use them to try and swing marginal seats and so on. But they were very much building like a cult-like mentality within themselves, you know, to try and get people to attend the next one and the next one and the next one. And they were sort of, um, people like Mark Clark were, were also using them to, to find girlfriends and stuff essentially. Um, and it was, it was really just an incredibly unhealthy culture by everything that came out about it. And some of this actually did get covered in the press in fair amount of depth which does tell you how bad it was because they they generally turn a blind eye to this stuff if it's if it's associated with a blue rosette yeah. or they just try and say like Mark Clark is bad that's it that's the end of it there was a fair bit of that but they they were 
the thing with like Donald Blaney, the the guy behind the whole thing, is like um, he was a Daily Mail columnist, like online only, a blogger for him for a long time as Bring well. The show. <laughs> basically and then they they essentially did like a sweetheart deal with him once it was found he was more involved and more culpable yeah elliot johnson's suicide then then people had realized they essentially did one critical article on him that got quotes from him and got his side of the story as well and he said oh i'm gutted i'm shutting the whole thing down and moving to america that was it. That was the end of it. No one ever followed up on, on his part in it. But essentially, Elliot Johnson had worked for him as like an intern in one of his sort of shell groups, like a smaller version of Spiked, where they've got various interlinked uh, groups and charities and stuff that yeah. are actually clearly the same thing. But even um, more Tory. Yeah, yeah, even more right wing, but the same sort of thing, like yeah. the same sort of between them like um so he'd been an intern for one of them and he'd been told he was getting let go for like uh, budgetary reasons okay um that wasn't i understand the reason that he took his own life but he was obviously quite distraught by it because he thought his career was on the up and so on and he was having all these issues with getting bullied by mark clark and uh, a couple of other people as well and he actually went to Donald Blaney for advice as his sort of outgoing boss, someone he respected. And Donald Blaney tried to charge him for legal advice. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that is pure Tory. Out man. of a guy he knew he was laying off at this point, and both sides knew that as well. What you, yeah. And this, again, this was right, whitewashed. Fucking like, what, yeah. This, this, there's one Daily Mail article on this. As underarm as you can expect, while still reporting that he was a massive bastard. Yeah. Because essentially he had a long association with uh, the Daily Mail. People only really noticed he'd written for the Daily Mail. Uh, you know, his his blogs were only really read by the true believers anyway. Like um, us. The real yeah, exactly. mailheads. Like us, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> that's probably true. It was like probably about ninety percent weird libertarian freaks, and then like a handful of people like me, like a different sort of dickhead, that want to like want to understand these arsehole circles, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're like the only time he'd really attracted any attention for that before was when he was like, yes, I'm a giant Liverpool fan, but I think Hillsborough was good, actually, or something like that. Not not literally saying Hillsborough. The mark of a true like, head. Like, a true oh, Liverpool I'm a, head. I'm a true Liverpool fan, but the fans were to blame. And like... <laughs> wow, wow, wow. You're That's really out-of-the-box thinking, man. Blue sky stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely have a love for the football team Liverpool, and I, I, I'm... I've, lucky enough to be quite wealthy so i go and see them as often as i can um but unfortunately i hate the city of liverpool and everything else about it so uh, you, you know, know it's possible to say if it's good or not it's actually you know it's admirable that i love the liverpool football club despite not because of their scum fans it's literally they won a lot of trophies in the time he was growing up, so he's he's trying to pick the winning side, and that is about the only context in which someone would select both um, both Liverpool Football Club and the uh, sort of hardline Chicago school right wing. Yeah. At that point, then the whole thing got shattered. Really, that whole movement after the um, the Mark Clark scandal got a fair bit of coverage in the press for a month 
it shut down immediately when they found uh, Donald Blaney and people like that were partially culpable, not to the extent of Mark Clark, but that they did not behave well in it. Mm. Basically, it just stopped getting reported on. And, um, you know, this, this was about it for that then, um, because the the actual groups, the, the Young Britons Federation and, and so on... That just, sounds so fucking fascist, by the way. Oh, absolutely. You, you can read a lot about them. You just Google the Young Britons Federation and, and read a lot about them, and, and the, nothing really stops us. They would have, like, uh, weekends away where they'd... Like, do you remember a couple of times I'd find like the Flickr account of the Freedom Association? Possibly. And it were like thousands and thousands and thousands of photos of these weird, weird fucking Tory events where it's just like all the most right wing people of all ages in Britain just <laughs> you, you, you could you could sense the dead chat from these still photos, like um and they would have like Weird, like Margaret Thatcher memorial pub quizzes, and um, you know the 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 Flickr account went back far enough that there were like ones where they'd like wheeled out an aging, no idea where she was, Margaret Thatcher, to, <laughs> as, a, as the guest of honour, Norman Tebbit, people like that, you know. Um, but the Freedom Association, that's again, it's one of these hard right libertarian uh groups that was linked to the ybf that was linked to the battle bus side of of the the young conservatives um sort of operation Mm. um and you could see on there like the, the sort of people that would go along and it was like um you know, a lot of a lot of Guido Fawkes journalists, past, present, future. Um, a lot of the sort of right wing future, sort of Telegraph, rent a take type people, and it's like, well, no wonder the press all sort of gave up on this shit and just let it drop once they realised they couldn't pin up literally a hundred percent of it on Mark Clark, who was nevertheless a bastard. Yeah. Um, because. That's where so many of their reporters were coming from and have increasingly come from as time had gone on. And that's that's where they were sort of learning the, the right the right positions and stuff, you know? It's one of those things just like the more you look into it, the more disgusted you are with just the entire culture of it. Like they would always have a thing, this is how you could sort of spot these people. They'd be chatting away on Twitter or whatever and they'd always like, overuse sound like to mean like ideologically sound and be like they would always be like ultrasound and this was obviously all the stupid in jokes from their shitty little conventions and that and and they were you know most of them were giant nerds and they were obviously using it as a sort of in-group thing um it's like if you took the most insufferable chat from like any group chat that you or i or both of us are in or that any other political group we know of are in, if you think of, like, the soft left lot on that. You know, <laughs> sometimes when, like, the the group chat stuff comes out onto the main timeline and you oh. think, that's just a bit obnoxious. It's probably fine, like, within the group chat, but the sort of performative aspect of it, we probably do it as well, like. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, just I'm gets sure a bit obnoxious, Seamus like... Milne's group DM, etc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but like you can get easy numbers for Seamus Milne jokes, though. I'm not going to yeah, stop. Yeah, Seamus Milne saying. jokes are taken on a life of their own. You know, exactly. that's a bit different. But mm-hmm. like, even some of the soft left like a good Milne joke. Can you imagine taking some of that chat and like making it literally a thousand times more right wing and <laughs> really hateful at its core, rather than just a bit self indulgent? <laughs> like, can you imagine? Uh, I, 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 I'm picturing it now and it's not good Nerd! Homer, that isn't very nice Marge, try to understand as a jock, it is my duty to give nerds a hard time it's just weird like, cause I, when I was at university as well like, um, for my, uh, one of the more bizarre decisions with hindsight is that I was involved in like the debating society and yes. it was quite like crap at it in a competitive sense so it wasn't anything like and it wasn't like a an ancient university or anything like that so it didn't have like the same sort of horrible culture as a lot of the other uh, ones would yeah. but when we were going around like the sort of scotland and the north debating circuit you know uh the glasgow uni guu debaters were like some of the worst people you'll ever meet uh the edinburgh ones weren't as bad but they were very posh very elitist so were the St Andrews lot the Durham lot just a load of arseholes you know Uh, (laughs) it's not really surprising but like um, the fact that I was involved with that in my own university and I mean although there weren't many uh, Tories in Dundee in the city there's barely none but within the university population there were a few you know um, and you'd end up meeting quite a lot of them, and you had these weird sort of distinctions and, and groups between them. Like some of them sort of fit the the model of the these sort of weird libertarian right wing groups, mm. um, and they were they were very sort of. You know, if they have a half a pint, suddenly they start ranting far-right stuff about, um, particularly particularly about the welfare state. They despised that and wanted to destroy that. That was probably the most consistent belief among them. And also, you know, some of them were, were also, like, massively racist or really quite homophobic as well, um, which was bizarre, really, because they'd, all, they'd be palling around with, like, gay Tory students all the time and then at the drop of a hat they'd start ranting on about like moral degeneration of of homosexuality and that Mm. you don't really see how that works but then you'd get also like the more um most of the more sort of the ones that came across more normal were like um I suppose you're more consistent across the ideological spectrum sort of dickhead in a suit type you know Absolutely. Yeah, and that's something I never really understood, just the, the mentality of the sort of person who, like, turns up to, in a full suit for a second-year lecture oh, and, um, you know, is constantly sort of really transparently trying to sort of uh, work their way into their local party and stuff. Like, I knew a couple of people there as well who were sort of... They were Labour Party members, but they were, like, You'd call them centre-left, you know, their, their politics weren't mine, uh, because I'm, I'm talking centre-left pre-Corbynism, you know, the, the, the sort of 
yeah, we're talking the worst of the soft left lot rather than the best <laughs> of the soft left lot. But yeah. ultimately, they weren't like hateful and they, they meant well. And you wouldn't sort of despise their politics so much as like, oh, that's a bit naive, you know, or that's a bit sort of missing the point. But they would be like, they would go into a mode, mode like whenever they did activism where they were just like, right, full suit and uh, like treating the conversations along those lines like it was the Labour doorstep and they'd, they'd give you these canned lines and so on and like in, in some cases ones back from like Harold Wilson's era and stuff so it was obviously like uh, sort of handed down by the local activists like this works on the doorstep of treat son, you know <laughs> uh, and there's just an absurdity to it like the the I don't really understand people whose conception of politics is like, I'm going to do some politics now. Here's how you do the politics, you know? Here are the and secrets. There is a lot of it about, like... Um, but why this is re like relevant when I was at university is obviously... Um, in Dundee, basically, it's used a long time ago to be pretty labour. Um, it was then, up until... a about when I started at university for a long time then it was like very close between Labour and the the, the SNP but the SNP normally very narrowly went in and over time now because Scottish Labour is Scottish Labour it is now pretty much like the stronghold of SNP <laughs> so it's just like uh, uh, there's not really much chance of Scottish Labour winning anything there but they did have a presence, um, and the Tories, again, were very marginalised. The Lib Dems were extremely marginalised. One very nice, not very bright lad turned up and was like, I'm a Lib Dem. Where can I join the Lib Dem Society? There isn't one. So he started hey. like, a Lib Dem Society and got, got like, Willie, Willie Rennie down on, like, three days' notice or something because he was that desperate for things to do and people didn't like him. And then he turned <laughs> up and it was just, like three prospective Lib Dems and about three Tories heckling him and about six of us leftists heckling him. Like. <laughs> but um, whenever they'd have like council elections, obviously it's fairly common, I think, in university towns. If, if you've got a, a ward or a seat, you know you've got no hope in hell of winning and you just want to try and sort of get people experience and get the vote up maybe a couple of percent. Yeah. They would pick like student activists. So in Dundee in particular, because the student Tories there was like maybe eight of them. Yeah. That represented probably about fifty percent of the Tories in Dundee. Um <laughs> that was like their pool to choose from. So you had these absurd people, um <sighs> Do you remember that old avatar I had of a, like a guy with a champagne bottle and stuff, and like just with the most absurd Tory face? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I've got the amount know. of absurd Tory faces. I know it doesn't seen. narrow it down much, does it? But um, <laughs> they they put him in particular. This most uh, the the guy who, when he was briefly on Twitter, uh, yeah. he made his Twitter biography like it included like massive fan of sandalwood aftershave that was like one of the three traits he defined himself by in a <laughs> very serious twitter biography uh and you know he was a guy that would wear full tweed if you saw him at the pub if you saw him in a lecture if you saw him in just stowing around campus uh he, he would be there in his, his full tweed and um oh, man. sounds like know, a horror 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, you don't ever want to get into a conversation with these people long enough to actually ask them and have a conversation. But I don't think he was one of the ones that was like proper, proper rich. Yeah. I think he was kind of like middle class, reasonably wealthy middle class. But he'd obviously got it in his head to sort of it was a done thing to sort of play at being richer than that. But they put him up yeah. in like one of the poorest wards in Dundee, which is one of the poorest cities in Britain. Uh, was certainly one of the highest unemployment rates. I think second only to Middlesbrough a lot of the time. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. That's they put him up in one of the poorest wards, and I don't think he actually did much campaigning because a couple of photos he posted of him doing it, he'd be like, um, well, you could see some of the tenements and that in in view in the background but he would stand in like the small the small green area and have his photo taken and be like yeah campaigning here uh, <laughs> but you really like for one you've got out alive so you can't have knocked on that many doors uh, but it's just this absurd idea where it's like get people that are really even at a glance completely unsuited for Role and and just sort of use them to. I don't even know what they're trying to achieve. I don't know why. If you've got that little hope that you're in in that ward, that your idea is to stand someone like that there, why don't why don't you just not stand? Yeah. Like what? Someone like that's going to do more harm than good, surely, for the for the party's own prospects. But I, I don't I don't get it really. It's like. You'd, 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 call it, you'd call it exploitative in any other context but these people actually want to do it and they see it as like a mark of success like yes I got my nine votes in the poorest ward in Dundee yeah well it's kind of like you gave it your best shot the inevitable ladder towards me getting 30,000 votes in my in my home constituency that's more middle class you know yeah it's the game of politics isn't it like oh you played you gave it your best shot you know commend your courage and all but there's yeah but the the thing is there's a, there's a really nasty streak in in like obviously there's the, the party as a whole is, is nasty as fuck but I think the young activists are more less guarded about it okay. you, know, you, you talk to them for 10 minutes and they'll tell you what they really believe whereas you would not get it out of like a veteran Tory activist they would mm. they would fob you off and say no I, I just think it's an, here's the ideological justification and then they'd go off and, and talk about deserving and undeserving poor to people that weren't questioning so much you know <laughs> Yeah, but these people would would head down the road to race science with, with quite a lot of speed, and if when when you had a few of them putting the ideas in each other's head, like there was one guy who was like diehard SNP. So that, that's always been the nature of Tory student movements, hasn't it? And what well, yes, Tories. Yeah, yeah, I think that's been consistent because they've obviously had their their youth wings shut down two or three times over the years. One of them was shut down for being too extreme right by Norman Tebbit. <laughs> How right wing do you have to be for Norman Tebbit specifically to be that's a bit much, mate, you know? Yeah. It's, um, you know, there's one lad at my university who was quite diehard SMP for most of the time I was there. 
Yeah. But I think he was more the sort of uh, the sensible accountant's wing of the SNP. <laughs> Independence, and he was obsessed with sort of showing the the sensible economic rationale yeah. that could basically have it like like the UK, but with different flag, you know, and, okay. and a bit more separation. Uh, sort of almost more UK than the UK. Um, you know, he was a bit boring and like economically far more conservative than you or I by a long way. Okay. But you wouldn't have ever called him like an extremist or anything like that. And then like he started hanging around with a couple of the young Tories socially, and within about three months. He was posting fucking white power memes on Facebook. Fucking hell. Defected to UKIP. Oh. You know, there were, if you said a few Tories there were in Dundee, there were fewer UKIP members, man. No, none of them, like. They, some guy tried to start UKIP Society just after I left, and they, had, they actually ended up calling it, like, the Union Jack Society or something, because the UKIP brand was too toxic, even then. This, this this was years before the the actual party shot themselves and died basically. All right. And it's like how, how do you go on that sort of journey that quickly if you're not already quite primed to do it? Yeah, I know. But how frightening was it that like being friends with like two or three conservatives would manage to to, to bring that out of him you know yeah accelerate the process of radicalization yeah. to such and a level a lot and i think you know, the thing that really really unsettled me about him consistently because you'd have ones that were wildly racist you'd have mm. ones that were uh very much socially liberal but had horrendous views in other areas you know mm. but the consistent thing they hated the poor and they would put it in those terms as well like the, the, the poor and they would they would treat them as like inherently lazy because i uh, remember the tories at my uni they were all very kind of like cameroon compassionate conservatism oh we don't they were like we don't support austerity i'm like what do you support um they're like well you know uh, <laughs> i can't i don't know if they had like a, a non-tory policy agenda but um yeah, at the at the Brunel uh, Tory Students Society, but it didn't seem like it to me. I mean, when I started at university, the Tories weren't in government yet. Mm. Like, so I think there's a slight difference in the time span. And a load of or the effect of austerity didn't take long, really, to to mm. kick in. Um, they obviously got worse over time, more dramatic over time, and I think crucially harder to ignore over time so yeah. probably even sort of uh like 2012 when i was graduating um it would have been quite easy for them to say like or oh, you know you're exaggerating austerity you know uh, oh, yeah yeah but, yeah i remember that, that a lot it, during the cameron years it was uh, i certainly used to find it a lot harder back then to get across why i was so angry at austerity to people who were like to my right, but not right wing per se, oh, you know, God, who were either yeah, like political or were quite centrist in their politics. I, I had basically, I mean, that, that back then I took a lot of notebooks. It's kind of, I should get back into the habit of doing it, but there was I just kind of filled notebooks with all different, like, um, when, when I was doing my BA, it was all like, uh, song ideas and, mm. uh, like joke ideas and all different stuff. But also I just took exhaustive lists of whenever I read something bad that the Tories were doing, <laughs> I just channeled it because I wanted to have all the, like, I wanted to have it laid out 
like there before me. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of quite often I read something in the Guardian. I'd be like, the Tories are doing this. Um, because yeah, it was like kind of quite hard sometimes to really express like how wrong yeah. the whole project was. Yeah, and when it was first being implemented, it was very easy to say, look, this is exactly what's going to happen here. Yeah. But then it makes it very easy for whoever you're arguing with to turn around and say, oh, how do you know that's going to happen? You know, that's the worst case scenario and so on. Yeah, but yeah. I've just got this image of, you know, toting around notebooks full of joke ideas and then sort of staggering into the light five years later. I've done it. I've finished the Emerson Menangagua joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What, I've actually forgotten it. What was the Emerson and Gagwa joke again? I know I did it like ten times on an I can't episode remember of Crash it. Future. I, I, I can't even remember it. I just remember that. <laughs> I just hijacked the Trash Future stage. To just yeah. One, this wasn't a live episode, but just, just the mic. I was just like, Emerson and Gagwa. It's actually praxis to destroy rival podcasts that actively. <laughs> Yeah, but I, but I, no, I have to remind myself what I'm gonna absolutely like. I'm gonna tweet on the account now. Can anyone remember what what my uh, Emerson Man and Gagwa joke was? At the big man in, he might remember. He took off before it first time round. Presume I, that might have been a different. There was a while just after the regime change in Zimbabwe when like Man and Gagwa was like a big part of our whole comic universe, so to speak. Amazon is now officially a a, a dom in a consensual dom relationship where uh, <laughs> cities all around the United States and Canada are signing contracts to be their 24-7 slave. Oh, wow. More like Amazon Mananagua. Mananagua. Fuck. Because he's called Emerson Mananagua. You press. Carry on. Fucking Mitt Romney, did you see that the other day? Oh, what, his alt? Mitt Romney's alt. <laughs> I swear it, it had, like, the same name as uh, Johnny Depp's ridiculous French-Canadian private investigator character in Kevin Smith's uh, non-beloved late-period works, Tusk and Yoga Hoses. Wow. Deep, deep fucking reference there, am I right? Yeah. For, for the yeah. Tusk heads I don't out think there. I don't any of the articles I've seen on it mentioned that, so I, I think you've literally picked, he's picked the reference book. A reference point too obscure for anyone except you to care about. <laughs> Wait, a... uh, all units uh, before that podcast sadly shuttered. It mm-hmm. did a, a Kevin Smith episode, which was quite good. Uh, although, although uh, Sean from that podcast hadn't actually bothered to watch Tusk, uh, he's missing out, man. He's there missing... we go. Tusk is terrible, actually. Uh, I've never watched Yoga Hoses either. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I don't think uh, I've Johnny... ever heard of Yoga Hoses. Like, I didn't even know it existed. It, it stars uh, Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter as uh, bait Canadians being like, Ooh, a boot, maple syrup, moose, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Johnny Depp reprises. Imagine his... that, just rinsing moose for comedy purposes. Like yeah, a... I know. It's it really l- lazy shit. Just... But, see, I, I knew I knew you'd get that. All I needed to just say was moose. <laughs> um, yeah, Johnny Depp in those films is called Guy Lapointe, Lapoix, I guess it would be. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, what is Mitt Romney's alt called? Let's find out exactly. But it was basically just following all Mitt Romney's real mates and like <laughs> tweeting occasionally to journalists that were criticising Mitt Romney, saying, "No, I think you should hear him out." Basically, <laughs> P- Pierre Delecto. 
Pierre Delecto. Pierre Delecto. <laughs> That's a great name to be. Private called. Investigator Supreme. Yeah, yeah. But it was wow. like the same thing happened like six months ago with a guy in the NBA, like um, one of the <laughs> NBA team's general managers, who just um, it was either him or like his wife had an alt where they just go for the journalists who slagged off this guy's decisions as a team yeah. manager and nothing else. <laughs> and when it came out, it almost ended his career. You know, it was hugely embarrassing because he was like hanging players out to dry for having like, argued with him and stuff. Um, <laughs> but you would think after that was in the news that that would have anyone else that was doing a, an alt like that for those sort of purposes. To, to lock it or to delete the ones specifically at in people and just keep it as a, a monitoring alt or something. Twitter are on to him, man. Ever vigilant. They're cracking down on his shit. That's why the first Crazy Moose account got banned. Yeah, that's that's definitely why. Yeah. And then the second one that was like identical and had an identical type of tweet was just left up. Yeah, still there. Still there. I, I mean, yeah. It's rolling uh, dice, I think, every time one of us yeah, tweets. Man. R.I.P. Crazy Moose Band, long live Crazy Moose Music. The thing with Miliband, right, and, like, I briefly joined the Labour Party in 2010, right? <laughs> the soft left days, Tifo, um, I mean, I'm saying this, like, I wasn't really soft left at the time, right, but the way I'm describing it now, I was in the debating society, I joined the Labour Party, and, <laughs> and uh, well, I voted for Diana Abbott first preference, but well, that's, that's then cool, I that's gave Ed Miliband the, the second preference, knowing yeah, well, that that would get used. Like, that's how Jeremy Corbyn voted. Yeah, well, there we go. But, like, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, you know, I was in the debating society and I voted for Ed Miliband. Like, there's, there's a, an alternate universe me that's just, like, absolutely insufferable in different reasons to the ones You're I actually am. your expertise <laughs> to the social review podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect actually... to those guys, some of whom are very, very nice, you know. Just, Absolutely. Just, that version not of my scene, Tifo, man. That version of Wario Tifo is, if anything, more socialist than the one you're talking to now. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's a very nice guy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the young Tory nerds. Let's go. Let's go back to them. So, are there any more of these figures, these uh, these characters who've uh, they were a, a thing back in the day when you were investigating these types, uh, and now um, now they've they've kind of reared their heads again. I think the thing is, like most of them have either the ones that seemed a little bit more savvy seem to have mostly just sort of stepped back from politics completely mm. and probably will do for another 10, 15 years. Ooh, what about uh, Stephen Canning? So he he only really came into my radar probably 
roughly the same time he's been on yours. Oh, and I, okay. He wasn't like a ringleader back then or anything, but he's been trying for a long time to get like some sort of Tory youth movement off the ground and it's the usual thing where he's got probably disproportionate credit from other right wingers just by recognising look we're a bit shit with youth movement let's have one and that's seen yeah. great insight like this guy's a genius put him in charge but he is ultimately a massive grifter like he, he's been on pretty much every wing of the Tory party as far as I can see in terms of what one he thinks he's going to win it's like who he cheerleads and also you know Someone on Twitter uh, claiming to be his ex girl, his ex girlfriend, did claim that he had um, committed identity fraud on her and taken out Jesus, like uh, yeah. taken out a loan in in her name. Um, which Very yeah, 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 lovely bloke. He's, he, he's blocked me several times because he keeps on blocking me, and then I'll say like, "Hey, did you ever pay your ex girlfriend back?" He just blocks me straight away again. He can't resist, man. He needs to check in and see what the crack is. Uh, yeah. So okay. So Stephen Canning was not a contemporary of all those shitheads then. Uh, any, well, he any, might have been, but he, he certainly wasn't a, a particularly vocal one. Okay. Um, I think the, it's probably where a lot of the think tank nerds come from. You know, the, the Bowtie, Adam Smith Institute types, that's probably where a lot of them come from. Um, or their, their regional equivalents, you know. Um, it's, it's the same sort of ecosystem, you know, the, the same sort of dark money putting on events indoctrinating people who are already going down that route get them to work for you in underpaid junior jobs by which point they've already got the willingness to just shill hard for egregious politics with no shame whatsoever there's a reason Tom Harwood's getting so far so quickly because yeah, he's he's I just very shameless um, yeah you always uh, notice new Tories on TV like new young Tories like it just kind of emerged from a lab Oh, they get funneled straight on to, to the TV news. It was that guy from Spiked, like Charlie something, uh, a couple of years before. And again, it's like, who's this fucking nerd to... Why is this guy on the TV news every time I flick past it within yeah. the space of a few weeks, you know? Um, Harwood, Harwood, like, the thing is, like, he's both incredibly shameless in terms of the messages he'll push, and he just is incredibly good at just blanking like when everyone from right across the political spectrum calls him out on it and calls him a dickhead and stuff. Yeah. He's He's got no shame in that sense. So he's the perfect person for that role. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the rumours are that he's never going to go into parliamentary politics. So this is his life now. <laughs> what, a, what a depressing thought. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, he he's a guy that we know has come from this this pipeline of being just an absolutely obnoxious little freak at university to being uh, a successful pundit within the space of a couple of years, and we know obviously because there's there's people on Twitter, you know, Laura even who who met him while he was at university and knows exactly what he was like. Yeah. You know, you can just blunder your way from one to the other incredibly quickly. Um, but that's what these networks are for, the ones I was talking about earlier. You know, the 
the Young Britons Foundation and the things around it, and the uh, it's probably more around the think tank since that closed down. But what these do is that they give these activists just that bare minimum of grounding so that they can hit the ground running once once they've graduated and so on, you know? Yeah. That's like the the link between the obnoxious cunt that turns up at every university event, whether you want him to or not, and the guy spouting the same absolute shit to three million people on the TV news. I think what it's taught me in general is to always be suspicious of people who have like really visible boundless ambition without any signs of actual substance backing it up. Um you know, if they're a bit precocious but they've got a thing that they're actually passionate about, even if it's bollocks, you can at least see why people rate them. But this is where it gets wider than the Conservative Party. Like if you look at Labour, you look at how the the sort of obnoxious bag carrier types tend to dominate in dozens and dozens and yeah. dozens of CLPs around around Britain. How they seem to get the sort of plum jobs in turning and and the junior constituency office jobs and that uh, and just that that pipeline where you can go from being the photocopier boy to having a long lucrative career as a shit MP. Um, you know, that that's something that's very much the same on the conservative side of things, you know. Um, ultimately, it's the ones that have the sense to just suck up to people and, and keep the absolute worst instincts quiet are the ones that are going to do well. Yeah, that, that's unfortunately generally, it seems to be the way with politics. I'd like to think we've... Uh, We've changed that a bit in Labour, but I don't know how well the democratisation of the party's going. If nothing else, we've destroyed Labour students, and that's really funny, and it will still be really funny years from now. But 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 man, they're still they're still throwing the the, the hottest nights of the year, you know, of all, all the top guests: Tony Blair, Phil Woolas. <laughs> <laughs> They're still about, man. Labour students are going stronger than ever. Tom Watson. Get the fuck out of here. Tom Watson. Get the fuck out of here. Tom Watson. Don't you get the fuck out of here. Tom Watson. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Tom Watson. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Tom Watson. Get your money and get the fuck out of here. 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 Tom Watson. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here, you Tom Watson is doing campaigning days with them, I think. That's that's a that's a child safeguarding issue, like that whole conversation as a whole. Like, <laughs> there's now no oversight whatsoever now that they officially don't exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that that is the achievement, and I guess much more generally, kind of pulling the ladder up from at least some of these shitheads is, is an achievement of the Corbyn movement. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's always been the the case, you know. When when you have a sort of few days bleak occurrences, or they've been shit on police or something, you're like, oh, why am I in this party again? You're like, look. If nothing else, if the whole thing falls flat on its face and achieves nothing. At the very least, it's made it a much more difficult for one generation of absolute tossers. 
<laughs> I suppose the question is that there has been a bit of a kind of ideological shift in the Tory party. Do you think this has anything to do with these young, extremely right-wing members coming of age and pu- pushing their own agenda? I mean, of, co- of course, no, I, I don't think that the current Tory Brexit strategy is a youth power movement. And of course, always young Tories have been some of the most right-wing people out there. Um, but yeah, if, uh, I mean... Yeah, do you think that's a thing? Do you, do, how do you think? Do you think there's been some of these guys kind of left out in the cold with the end of the Cameroon era? Maybe some of them hitched up to May and were kind of thrown out in the cold after that? Again, I think more so than Labour, the sensible ones probably will be the ones that just step back from politics for 15, 20 years. And then they're like, ah, oh, I've had a moderately successful career in business, probably working for my dad's company, but, you know, I'm now ready to, to be a politician. And obviously, in leading the quiet life, they won't have 20 years of just saying absurd right-wing shit on the public record. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing as well, like, again, when I was looking into these people, when I met these people as well, this was like 2010, right? So the Tories either hadn't got in or they'd been in for a few minutes. And the Labour governments we'd had, right, were, were Gordon Brown and before that Tony Blair. And, uh, for example, a a string of the most horrendous right-wing authoritarian home secretaries uh, that the Labour Party's ever seen. Yeah. And pretty much all the young Tories I met, including the ones in some respects seemed a bit more grounded, genuinely believed that the Labour Party were borderline communists. Like, this was yeah. obviously years before Corbyn, years before anyone you could really call a socialist had proper influence on the front bench. And it's like, no, if if this lot get back in, we will be, uh, you know, we will be communist and by Albania within, within two years or something, you know? And it's like... I, yeah, I never even knew how to respond to that. Because I'm sure some of them didn't believe that bullshit, but it was the line, and a lot of them clearly did believe it, and genuinely did fear that, like, uh, you know, their their moderately successful middle class dad was going to get put in a gulag if uh, if a David Miliband government got in in a few years' time or something, you know. Checking the Twitter and the the politics theory other podcast people have posted an image of Michael Heseltine with a fifteen foot statue of Vlad Lenin that he spent twenty grand to have relocated from Latvia to his own garden. And I've checked it's real. <laughs> That's fantastic. Michael Heseltine Welcome to the resistance. <laughs> yeah. That's great, man. That's like um, Margaret Hodge, Islington Council pre-paedophilia scandal years. That's actually a sweet sculpture. 
<laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you know our friend friend of the show, JJ Patrick. James Patrick. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, you know, stay out of London on March 29th and all this, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has started out an Instagram account for, like, Brexit survival tips. And I'm only oh, seeing this with people tweeting about it. But I yeah, Hayley did Instagram. a thread about yeah. this. Yeah, she's done a thread <laughs> and there's some other good ones people have posted in the replies as well. But, like, so it's like the... the um, the gist of it seems to be, here's things you should do to help yourself survive during the first hundred days after Brexit. And they include, tell nobody the extent of your preparations. Set up Sainsbury's, Tesco and Ocado, etc. home delivery accounts. So yeah. there's, there's already a split on the centre there between the, the Patrickites and the, the Spoonerites, you know. Is Ocado a force for good or a force for evil? Yeah. <laughs> Buy a second wallet or purse. Buy Diet Coke. It provides some hydration. Buying bottles gets you reusable water carriers. And buying cans gets you mini ice packs to slow the heating up of your fridge if there's a temporary power outage. I would laugh so much if that turned out to be like sponsored content. <laughs> it's like Diet Coke going for the absolute crank market. Buy seeds, no elaboration. Buy, buy, buy seeds, marijuana, smoke that crow, am I right, James? 420, blaze it, my boy. Hong Kong's alright with me. Hong Kong is the way it should be. Hong Kong is a good thing. Plant that pill and let it rain. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Just another entrapment technique. He's eh? also like, pay off all your credit cards straight away. You know, surely the opposite would be true if society melts down. I don't understand. You wouldn't have to pay your credit yeah. cards. Or, yeah. or the currency would be devalued so much that, you know, I guess you'd struggle to pay the minimum going forward, but also like... Well, let's just assume that like all the credit card companies get like... Just, just like Joker mobs happen and they get fucked up, and so there isn't any any more of that shit. Yeah, I'm trying to find the Instagram. I'm trying to go to source now because this is incredible. One hundred days. Right. Okay. I need to. I need to find more of this content, man. He's probably my favorite crank because he's just. He has no self-awareness, and most of it doesn't make sense. Like, it's like, he's like MI5's Eric Garner, Eric Garland, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, not not Eric Garner. But yeah, fuck, fuck you, fuck you, Eric, Eric got. <laughs> Fuck Eric Garland, man, for having a name that sounds like somebody who, like, it, you know, you should actually take seriously. Fuck this shit, man. Fuck this. Too fucking confusing, man. Fucking that guy. Eric Garland, man. Yeah. Loose cannon. Await the EU's extension deadline. Ah, revisit your best before dates. What? That is this generated by a bot? 
Download copies of the handbooks of your critical appliances, boiler, thermostat, smoke detectors, etc. In case the Russians hack it, I guess, because you're going to struggle to get, like, a fucking gas-safe engineer, and you don't want to be fucking poking around your actual boiler. When travelling with vulnerable people who could possibly be separated from you, write your mobile number on their arm. What? What? Well, it's because, like, people won't have access to paper or... Anyway, people people are going to steal your, your pieces of paper with phone numbers. Pens will be a valuable commodity. Uh, <laughs> ensure your five-a-day in rationing, not over-consuming, nor wasting, nor wasting, by preparing foxed quantities. He means fixed quantities. He's not bothering to spell-check his own survivalist nonsense. By preparing fixed quantities of fruit and veg in ice cube trays and defrosting each as necessary. Start saying good as a coping strategy and motivation. <laughs> no, I'm going to say bad and watch the whole good. society crumble. Just just as like, oh, well, well, you can't get access to your medicine. Good. Again, I think I've just got Joker fever since me and Tom went to see it on Saturday. But that's like how he laughs uncontrollably at things when he's internally screaming. Just James Patrick wants this sick, twisted society of... Jokers, the sickest, twisted, of course, uh, fictitious creation in uh, literature and film history. James Patrick is the Joker. He inhabits a role like no one else has. This is incredible. It's just survivalist nonsense, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's really channeling like the spirit of the like post Waco nineties US right. <laughs> Overbuy by one item daily, medicine, sanitary items, food, etc. Ramp up your spending and pre- prepping gently. <laughs> that feel when you can just ramp up your spending. <laughs> I'll just start buying even more oh, weed. Cool. <laughs> so this collapses is one function of like late stage capitalism. Is a solution. Consume slightly more. Treat September 19 as your last payday before no-deal Brexit. Well, that doesn't work at all, because most people get paid in October before the 31st of October. That's how paydays work. Oh, there's a point he's gone from like red background uh, advice, tips, you know, here's what you need to do to survive. You scroll back a bit further and it's like survivalist recipes in a nice mild green font. So he's obviously got more urgent at some point four weeks ago. Oh, fucking hell, Instagram doesn't let you go back all the way unless you register. I will never register for Instagram. No one wants to see photos of me. <laughs> wow. Uh, news- oh, okay, it's from August 2018, but apparently um, parents have been urged to stop abandoning their children in, in a toy shop while they go off shopping. Matthew West of Milk in Rygate, Surrey, said his shop was not a childminding service. Wow. <laughs> wow, poor, poor Milk. Books, comics, toys. Incidentally. 
We did follow them. I think actually the milk shop like retweeted some melt shit at some point, so I like unfollowed them on the <laughs> real <laughs> politic account. <laughs> the milk okay. name isn't that important to put up with that. Yeah, no, I can't tolerate cannot tolerate any dissent, of course. <laughs> and of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Are the hard left, What's Chris? Well we know who the hard who, left are in the you know, ascendancy I, within the within the Labour Party language. who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. What we should do at some point soon, you know, when when have we got room on the slate ready for for doing it and see who's up for for doing it? Maybe do like a crowdsourced episode. It's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. In terms of like, see what people want to want us to talk about, want us to cover. So I remember when you used to do that, like like pre-election even, you used to just sort of crowdfund them and then put up like this, this mad like screenshot of a piece of paper with like 20 ridiculous ideas on it sort of thing. Oh yeah, no, we need to do, we totally need to do that. Yeah, yeah just not for every yeah. episode, but do one once in a while. Right, okay. All right, let's call it a day then, and I'll get this sent to Disso. I'm going to ask Yair about uh, how that recording went. Okay, cool. Excellent, man. All right, I'll see you in a bit then. Good good to talk as always. Yeah, good chatting, yeah. Yeah, speak soon. So, take it easy, man. Do we have any final thoughts on the topics we were discussing today? Because I, I was I was just thinking um, that, that Amazon, you could almost compare them to Emerson, Mun and Gagwa, the new president of Zimbabwe. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, AKA you used to almost be able to. Now I think you can. I think you finally developed the skill. Fuck yeah. And that's transferable. <laughs> We're going to edit so out the you... first six attempts. Hell yeah. No, when you hell, so hell please yeah, keep like them bitch. all in. Because so it's, when not you... ac- it's not actually a good joke initially, so it needs the repetition to actually be- come round and be funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, is, that is true. Speaking that's... as a professional comedian, that is, that is the only way that joke... <laughs> It's going to be funny. Yeah, you need all the instances of it in there. <laughs> yeah, there's like a there's a whole back catalogue that needs to be understood, like a, a canon of that joke. Yeah. I like I, I like I like joke I like Jack's uh, president of Zimbabwe joke, like that he released uh, in the last minutes of the show. She's never even listened to the B sides. Live <laughs> takes. All right, I uh, I think that that's going to be where we where we call this one. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and nuclear-powered robots, I will see you all next week. Goodbye yes. from me, Amazon Man and Mag- Man and- <laughs> 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 I can't. <laughs> I don't believe in a land beyond everything And I'd have my suspicions very clearly true But I know I believe in something And at least the mystic power of To turn it over to side They come out at night, my people. 
attracted by the moon's pull. They never know where it'll lead them. Earth spins around this full, turned over to side two. Folks in transit, they're all just passing by. Don't know if I look them in the eye. There just wasn't time to turn it over to side two. It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 